Coming up, Epcot's Horizons. Welcome to the CWDW Near and Far Podcast, where we explore perspectives of the Walt Disney World Resort from 10 to 1,000 miles away. I am Mike the Far in this equation. And I'm John the Near. All right, today we are going to talk about the extinct ride, Horizons, that was located at Epcot. We're going to do things a little differently, similar to what we did last week, where uh, and and John and I are kicking around some ideas as far as uh, the week in the parks and and um, you know our normal segments and things like that. So we'll see where that evolves. But for now, we're going to jump right into the discussion about Epcot's Horizons. Just for reference, I did go to the parks three times this past week. So it's not because I'm not going. I went to Universal and Disney twice. So. Right, so there's plenty to talk about with that, and we will. We're we're kicking around the idea of maybe uh, doing a midweek, um, brief midweek, uh, separate uh, add-on podcast uh, that will talk about those things, and we'll probably cover social media on that thing too, right, John? Don't you think? Okay. All right. So, all right. But for now, we're going to discuss horizons. Something that. Um, John and I talk about a lot offline. Um, I was able to ride it over the years, but let's uh, just talk a little bit about uh, just just an overview of Horizons. Uh, Horizons was a groundbreaking attraction that opened at Walt Disney World's Epcot Center in 1983. The attraction took guests on a journey through time and space, exploring the possibilities of the future. Horizons utilized advanced technologies and innovative ride systems to create an immersive and interactive experience. The attraction was known for its intricate details, stunning scenes, and inspiring message of hope and optimism for the future. Despite its popularity and critical acclaim, Horizons closed in 1999 and was replaced by Mission Space. However, its legacy lives on as it remains a beloved and nostalgic ride among Disney fans worldwide. So, John, from a personal standpoint, um, I found some things interesting this week. I remember riding Horizons on my first trip to uh, Epcot. Now, I often say... Uh, when I, I, I went to Epcot on the first year. And as it turns out, that's impossible because Horizons did not open until October 1st, uh, you know, and exactly a year later um, from the opening of Epcot. And I think the reason why I got confused was because um, the seas, the living seas was not open um, until my second trip. 
So I sort of always thought that Horizons was an opening day attraction. And through research and everything this week, I've come to discover that it wasn't. It was a year later. And I know I rode Horizons on that first trip. So I must have, it must have been 1983, maybe 1984 that I went to Epcot. So it was not the opening year. So this is quite a, it's interesting to me because not only did I discover that, but then I figured out, wait a minute, I opened, or I, I was probably closer to the opening of Horizons than I was the opening of Epcot as far as when I visited. I, I, as a kid, I know that ride really meant a lot to me. I loved the attraction. It was probably my favorite at Epcot and actually a big part of um, me looking forward to going to, uh, to Epcot. So um, again, I, I rode the original ride. I don't really remember a lot other than the scenes at the end, but um, yeah, man, it, it was, it was really something. Yeah, and I have to say that I have never been on Horizons. I The first time I was at Walt Disney World was in 1998, I believe. <clears throat> and while Horizons may have been open, it was open so sporadically at that point that there was a good chance, unless it was a holiday or something, that it, it may have just been closed. Because I did get to see... Um, the good version of Journey into Imagination. The, mm-hmm. the, the, but again, this, if it was open, man, I'm disappointed that I didn't get to see it. Because um, I, to this day, I listen to the music. I, I, I've watched several videos on it, uh, documentaries. And to me, even though I've never been on it, this just feels like... Um, it feels like Epcot. It feels like the best representation you're ever going to get for Epcot in general in the form that, you know, Imagineers decided to go with it. Like this is the best representation of a ride music, um, just overall feel on the whole thing. So again, I've never ridden it and yet I have a nostalgia for it. I have a, a weird longing to ride it, even though I never have. Like I, it, it just looks absolutely fantastic. So. Yeah, it it. I know as a kid, it captivated my imagination, and um, it's it's something we don't really see with Disney or really a lot in society anymore. Is that um, idea of an optimist, uh, optimistic future, right? So. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say this is a great example of that, too. Uh, Walt Disney was a, a very much like a futurist. And so this was a, a direct uh, extension of the kind of thing that Walt would want to do. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like delve into what could be in the future like that. And again, it definitely... Uh, is never a sure thing to make a ride like that. So yeah, today it, it just wouldn't happen, you know. So. I think you're right. It, it was a risk that they took creating this ride, and they even found a partner in General Electric to um, to help fund it. And um, and and to me, and I don't really think that I 
put this in the notes anywhere, but this thing was always, and I think even the Imagineer sort of saw it as this, it was either a love note to Carousel Progress or a sequel to Carousel Progress. So, um, it, it, and if you were, you know, you see Carousel Progress with all the General Electric things, uh, appliances and references um, throughout that attraction. So, you know, and and they sponsored that attraction originally as well. Um, this ride, they put a lot of money into it. And that General Electric um, uh, sponsorship went clear into uh, the early 90s, I believe. Um, and, and really when they pulled out of the sponsorship, I, I believe we'll find was really a big part of why the ride ended up going away. Uh, the, uh, the, isn't it the same narrator from uh, Carousel of Progress? It kind of extends the family into like the 21st century or something like that. It's a good question. I didn't know. I didn't see that in my research, but, uh, I, I wasn't aware of that, so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you know you know the guy who takes you through the carousel of progress. That oh yeah. no, maybe it's not though. Now now that I think about it, I don't know. I'll have to look that one up. I I know in one of the scenes you can hear the um you know great big beautiful tomorrow song you know playing in the background. So they they definitely have um they're it, like I said it's either a love note or an adjacent ride or a sequel or whatever you want to call it but the ride was definitely developed with the idea of being in relation to that so um you know that might have a lot to do with the relation to walt disney himself you know so yeah no it 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 wasn't the same narrator okay but i think it i i think they kind of thought of them as following the family a continuation of right carousel of progress a much better continuation as you're going through a, a building that sits on three acres so that's all right yeah quite extensive yeah all right let's talk a little bit about the development and creation of horizons uh, it was a complex and ambitious ambitious process that involved a team of imagineers designers engineers and scientists some Some key facts about the attraction's development itself Horizons was conceptualized as part of the original plans for Epcot. It was envisioned as a showcase of innovation and technology and the possibilities of the future. The design team for Horizons was led by Imagineer George McGinnis, who was previously involved in Disney attractions, the Haunted Mansion and the Pirates of the Caribbean. So with this, you know, there you go. Dark ride, right? Yeah, they're all impressive rides that and that's why this felt like a ride that should be there forever. Like the Haunted Mansion and Pirates. Like it it definitely feels like it's on that level. Right. It had a great lineage. You're you're absolutely right. Um The design team spent several years researching and developing the concept for Horizons, consulting with experts in fields such as transportation, energy, and communication technology to create an accurate and plausible vision of the future. The ride system for Horizons was one of the most advanced ever created by Disney, featuring a unique 
Omnimover design that allowed guests to move through scenes and sets smoothly and seamlessly. Now, we talked a bit about the Omnimover at Spaceship Earth. Here is another example of an Omnimover, which Epcot was just filled with Omnimovers early on. Um, it, it still has a lot of Omnimovers in that uh, park, right? So... Yeah, well, this one was unique, though, because it was a side-moving one. And yes. I can't think of any that are like that, even to this day. Um, some of them start out that way. Well, I guess the Seas with Nemo, that's kind of a side one, too. Yeah, it is. All right. Yeah, I, I, I guess they... But I guess it wasn't common at, at, in the beginning, because I heard that they actually had to make the exit, the emergency exit out the back. Like the huh. back of the the back of the cart would open up if, oh. in case there had to exit because there are parts yeah. where you just can't get out. So that's the only way they would ever recommend getting off of that ride. So well, and that's probably because on most Omni movers the track is live, right? It's got uh, a lot of electricity surging through it, and you in know this, you can. In this case, I, I I heard at the IMAX screen portion you were sixty five feet above the ground too. Oh so wow! Again, I've never been on it, but that sounds a bit extreme for a ride with no seatbelt or anything like I'm surprised yeah. some kid never jumped out there and uh, you know my mom would have freaked my mom is was afraid is afraid of heights she would have freaked out if she wouldn't known that but you know they were pretty clever in how they it, it was like an IMAX screen but it was it was like almost like a um cinemascope so it it had a little bit of roundness to it as I recall not much not like um you know, uh, Soren or anything like that, but um, it they they did a good job hiding that height. That's for sure. Um, interestingly enough, the ride system, if you look at the actual seating of you know the seats and everything, how you fit in, and the fact that you have four people in that ride vehicle, it sort of reminds me of um, uh, the the Harry Potter ride. Um, you know, the one that's on that Kuka arm that yeah, takes you up and journey. yeah, forbidden I journey. Just, I just rode that this week. So it's nothing as thrilling as that. It, it is just static as far as its movements and it just goes in a specific, it does not go on a, on a Z or, or anything like that. It's not on a Kuka arm. It's just on a track, but, um, still the vehicle itself really, um, it it sort of puts you in mind of that attraction, um, especially the way it kind of wraps around you. And with and in this particular ride, the um, that's important for speakers and immersion and things like that. So we'll we'll get to that later. Um, all right. So the attraction featured a variety of special effects and animatronics, including a fully functional robot that interacted with guests and demonstrated the latest in robotics technology. Horizons opened to the public on October 1st, 1983 to critical claim and enthusiastic guest response. So it was a major achievement for Disney and the Imagineers, and it showcased the company's commitment to innovation, imagination, and storytelling. And, you know, that's, again, John, I can't emphasize enough. We just don't see that as much anymore. You know, the, um, 
Bob Iger talks a lot about storytelling. He talks a lot about developing rides with that concept. But um, when it comes right down to it, uh, if it doesn't have IP in it, <laughs> I don't think he's making it. So the storytelling it has to come from IP. Stories. What's that? But he sure does tell a lot of stories. He sure does, doesn't he? Uh, um, but in any case... Uh, the opening day reception from guests and critics, um, uh, again, it was supposed to be an opening day attraction. Um, the ride was so complex and the technology and innovation was so uh, advanced as to where they were and where they wanted to be that they had to delay for a year. Um, the initial plan was to have it open a few months after Epcot opened, but um, the process continued. It was clear that they they just couldn't meet the deadline, so they delayed for a year. Um, Horizons did not open until October 1983, almost a year after the grand opening. Despite the delay, the ride was met with great anticipation and excitement from guests, and it quickly became one of the most popular attractions in the park innovative technology and immersive storytelling helped to set a new standard for theme park attractions and that's important john i think that's why people remember it and love it so much because it really set the bar um for this type of attraction it was a new type of dark ride and um you know nobody had ever seen anything like this um at this point every time i look at it i'm still amazed at, at how uh, amazing it all looks so, <clears throat> again I, I I really wish I could have seen it and uh, I, I I definitely don't think it was uh, needed to be replaced in my opinion but I could yeah. have saved him 100 million on that mission space but... <laughs> you're right <laughs> oh, so um in a review of the attraction for the Orlando Sentinel, critic Jay Boyer called Horizons the most exciting, imaginative, and visionary attraction ever to be developed by Disney. Uh, another review for the New York Times claimed that the ride itself was witty and informative, and it was a, a new type of exploration of the future and its engaging storytelling techniques. Many fans of the attraction praised its attention to detail and the immersive environment and cited it as one of the most memorable and enjoyable experiences they had at Disney. As a kid, that was me. It was, um, you know, as a kid going to Epcot, it was a little preachy at times and there was a lot of learning going on. Um, it was different from what you experience at Magic Kingdom. And uh, so this particular ride... It, it just with the storytelling and the fun involved and, and, um, you know, it, it just left an impression on me as a kid. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it right now, just, uh, admiring these sets going by, but they're all so amazing. And this, this is definitely another of those rides like pirates and haunted mansion is that you could ride it hundreds of times and pick up things you never noticed the first 99 times through and uh, 
I'm even noticing it in the videos, and normally videos do not do justice to rides, especially ones like this. But mm -hmm. again, this ride was just so special that even the videos, it's just amazing to go through and, and see it. I, I always liked that previous scene where you had um, the first scene, you had an animatronic talking to a live screen. And and the next scene was that live, you know, the, the scene that you saw on the TV of the live actor was as an animatronic talking into his screen to, you know, his girlfriend who was previously an animatronic in the last scene, but is now live. So it was a flipper. I, I, I never I don't think anyone's done that since then. Uh, and you know That's so clever. You might say that's outdated, but how often does your iPhone just not work properly and it doesn't work? So it's like right. the fact that they're doing it seamlessly, it's like, well, I I find that pretty difficult. So Yeah. I'd, I'd say that is the future when the internet is consistent. Right. And just like part, uh, you know, easier like you said it's accessible to everybody globally too i i mean the other part of that is i believe that the boyfriend was in an underwater um station so you know you could never get that kind of broadcast even now underwater you know so it is still a little bit above its time or ahead yeah, why can't i hang out in underwater cities I don't yeah why can't you <laughs> i mean why can't we have kelp farms and stuff like that you know yeah we wasted all our money on weird corrupt things and now we have no money for the future walt would be disappointed he would be i think he really would be he yeah, saw if, he, if he would have lived epcot would have uh, been real and the next thing he probably would have done is said let's go under the sea let's, Who knows? let's go to outer space and yeah. each everything he did everybody would have said impossible 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 but you know, he said it's kind of fun doing the impossible. So he probably but, wouldn't have taken six years to build a ride that was already built somewhere else. Yeah, Disney's new management is not really uh, nothing is possible without a good movie tie. <laughs> That's right. That's a good point. <laughs> Uh, the attraction received numerous awards and accolades, including a Theo Award for Outstanding Achievement in Theme Park Design in 1984. I don't even think they give those things out anymore, do they? I, I mean... I don't think they do. Yeah. Um, overall, the reception of Horizons was extremely positive with the attraction widely regarded as one of the most in innovative and engaging attractions ever created by Disney. Um, so over the years, the attraction, and this is, this is the thing, this is the thing that kind of gets me is that they discontinued this ride, but they actually did some significant changes over the years to the attraction itself, which shows they upkept the ride and why they felt like they had to, I, I mean, I know why, and we'll get to that later, but I mean, they could have continued to change the ride and update it like all the other attractions there. So, but uh, there yeah, were changes. Right. I don't. I don't understand. You know, it doesn't make sense to me why why they discontinued it. But 
anyways, the changes made over time. Now, keep in mind, this ride was open in 1983. Uh, in 1986, they added a new scene that showcased the possibilities of undersea exploration, which we were just talking about. There was a previous, uh, previously a different scene there. Uh, the scene featured new animatronic figures and special effects. And again, that was the scene that we were just talking about or part of it. Uh, in 1989, a new interactive exhibit was added to the post-show area of the attraction that allowed guests to explore and experiment with different technologies and innovations. In 1993, the attraction was closed temporarily for refurbishment and updates, during which time new scenes were added and the ride system was improved. In 1994, a new finale scene was added to the attraction that showcased the possibilities of space exploration and featured a new animatronic astronaut figure. I believe that astronaut figure has been moved over to Space Mountain. So I'm not sure that we'll have to do some more research on that maybe, but uh, I, and again, I could be wrong, but I believe I remember hearing that that astronaut is now in Space Mountain in one of the scenes, um, in either the exit or the entry queue, or maybe even the people mover or something like that, but in Space Mountain somewhere, I thought. Um, in 1999, the attraction closed permanently and was replaced by Mission Space, which was designed to showcase the thrill and excitement of space travel. Yeah, it's just as good, right? Oh, if sure. It's really up, you know, <laughs> kept up. Uh, overall, the changes made to Horizons over the year reflected the evolving interest and priorities of Disney and its guests, as well as advances in technology and storytelling techniques. So, John, let's talk a little bit about the attraction itself, the actual ride. And, and we've been watching it on our screens here on YouTube. Uh, and again, just great if uh, you're on the audio podcast, uh, either go to YouTube and find a point of view of this ride or else just watch our podcast on YouTube for this one in and particular. Just to, just to give them credit, too, we're looking at retro W. WDW's uh, video of it and you know they do a lot of restoration of old uh, uh, home movies that people took from Disney World and stuff like they do a lot of that stuff so yeah they use AI right well I think they they spend a lot of money to try to make these things as clear and like original as possible so Again, they're a great, uh, great site. They're across all the social media platforms. They have meetups sometimes at Disney mm -hmm. World. And, but like I said, the work that they do is amazing as far as uh, recreating this stuff. Like they, they're, they're, there's a group of people that really go above and beyond trying to uh, bring this classic Epcot stuff back to life. Yeah, and it's it's great. I'm glad you gave them credit for that because um, I mean, this I've watched this video a number of times alone this week, um, and and just reminisced and and prepared for this podcast. And uh, it's just amazing. They've done a great job with it. They really have. I mean, it, it just looks like a modern ride now. Um, the when we talk about 
the ride itself, it had a queue that was designed to resemble a futuristic research facility or a lab. Um, it had modern architecture at the time and a high-tech uh, design elements. And, you know, guests entered the queue through a large circular enter entryway that was decorated with images of Earth and the cosmos, symbolizing the attraction's theme of exploration and discovery. Uh, the queue actually had interactive exhibits as you walked up. You could put your hands on these things and and play around with them. So it, it was kind of ahead of its time in that regard, John, because, um, you know, how many rides and attractions think Winnie the Pooh, think Haunted Mansion that now have interactive exhibits? You didn't really have that a lot at that time. In fact, I'm not even sure you had it at all, if I remember correctly. But um, this ride certainly had it. Um, yeah, I feel I feel like this ride had a lot of stuff that uh, that you know it 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 was either the first or among the first to use. So I'm sure we'll touch on some of that soon. But yeah, for sure. Um, one notable feature of the queue was a series of windows that allowed guests to peek into the ride building and see the attractions, elaborate sets, and special effects in action. The queue also featured a series of pre-show videos and presentations that introduced guests to the themes and story of the attraction, helping to build excitement and anticipation for the ride itself. So um, before we get into the actual scenes and everything, um, I'd like to talk a little bit about that Omnimover because it was a little bit different than, say, Spaceship Earth. Uh, again, we talked earlier about how unique it was. And again, Omnimover, when you think of that, you might think of Haunted Mansion, Spaceship Earth, those types of rides. Um, not sure what else is Omni Mover. I think isn't Imagination Journey and Imagination. Isn't that an Omni Mover of some type? Well, uh, no, I wouldn't call it an Omni Mover. It's on a track, but yeah. it's uh, it's not a continuous loop that never stops. Though, so I, I consider Omni Mover where the ride does not stop to get on it. Right. Okay. Yeah, so like Nemo is is an Omni mover, and um, you know, yeah, like uh, uh, Little Mermaid, right? J Journey and all. Yeah, another one was um, uh, what the the uh, previous transportation ride as well. So that one, the the one that uh, Test Track replaced. So oh yeah, yeah, that World was of Motion, World of World of Motion, yeah. All right, so each Omnimover could seat up to four guests who faced forward and were seated by individual lap bars. Now, that part of it kind of reminds me of that Harry Potter ride because, you know, it comes down. Doesn't, doesn't it have individual lap bars? Yep, it does. I thought it did. Uh, the ride vehicles were equipped with onboard audio systems that allowed guests to hear narration and dialogue throughout the ride. Now, this is important because later in the ride, when you pick kind of your own adventure, um, each 
person had an individual, an individually different experience, you had that little screen in front of you where you and, and your adventure that you chose was being piped into the screens or the speakers right by your ears. So again, that's where things changed up a little bit for every person inside that car. Uh, that was pretty unique. You didn't really see that on anything at the time. So again, another innovation uh, from this ride. Uh, one of the most innovative features of Horizons was its use of a rotating theater system that allowed guests to experience the different scenes and environments without ever leaving their seats. The ride also incorporated a range of special effects and technology, including animatronic figures, projection screens, and holographic displays, all of which helped to create a rich and immersive world that guests could explore and engage with. Again, you talked about that big screen, right? And that big screen, like the big IMAX kind of wrapped screen, was uh, unique for a ride at that time as well. You didn't really see that. I don't even believe Spaceship Earth at that time had a screen that size. So, no, no, I don't think the biggest thing in Spaceship Earth was just the uh, the top, but that's not a screen. That's a planetarium type thing. Right. Yeah, it's just a projection onto a feature. Um, overall, the ride vehicles and technology of Horizons were designed to create a seamless and immersive experience, of course. Uh, the ride scenes, we can get into that now, John. And there, again, the ride changed quite a bit um, from the early ride to the late 80s ride. Uh, again, that whole ocean um, city, I guess you would call it, was developed for later. So uh, it, it it was a different experience, way different. Uh, the what, what we're going to talk about now is what the ride ended up with, uh, what the final version of the ride was. Because in my opinion, that was the best version of the ride. So the first segment of the ride was called Looking Back at Tomorrow, and the ride begins with a pre-show in which guests learn about the history of human imagination and the future. Guests then board a moving sidewalk that takes them through a series of scenes depicting visions of the future from the 19th century to the 1950s. Now, looking at the screen now, or looking at the playback of this attraction now, this is like one of my favorite parts because you're looking at how people in the past viewed the future. And I love that. That is so, that right alone, that reminds me so much of Carousel of Progress. And really, I, I enjoy seeing that kind of Jetsons look, you know, when they look at the 50s and 60s. And, and Again, that does not need to be updated, that, that part, you know. That's I, perfectly, right. that's, that still is uh, applicable today as it was then. So. It's timeless. It, it was the timeless feature itself of the ride. Everything else in the attraction could be outdated. So, and, and a lot of it would be outdated today. So, but let's move on to the uh, next ride. But I just wanted to emphasize that early part of the ride. The looking back at tomorrow was an amazing part of the ride where you could just look at and, and it went from like Joel's Vern 
to, uh, you know, like the Jetsons type look into the future, um, even beyond that. So I really, uh, I really like that. That's, that's my favorite part on the playback. Uh, the next segment of the ride was called the future of energy and it showed how energy will be used in the future guests see a variety of new technologies such as solar power wind power and geothermal energy well doggone <laughs> guess what <laughs> and uh disney itself Walt disney world is i believe completely um self-sufficient now because of solar power right isn't that uh, the case well, I actually, I don't think it's completely self-sufficient from solar power, but I do think, I know they're tied into the grid, but I don't know how much of it they actually use or not. But. Yeah. So I, and you can see the solar panels everywhere on property. I mean, they have those massive solar farms, but, uh, yeah, I wonder if they, uh, were inspired by this attraction, this discontinued attraction. Maybe it was a movie. Might have been in one of their. Inspired by Moana. <laughs> All right. The next scene is the city of the future. It is, of course, as it's called, a futuristic city, a city of the future. Guests see how people will live, work, and play in the city of the future. That used to be called Epcot, John. That city of the future. But uh, here it manifests itself in the ride, but it manifests itself on a personal level. So I, I really like how they got down to the people level on this attraction um, when it came to, uh, to seeing that. I just, I just loved how it kind of goes right through everything. Like it literally oh, yeah. right through. It's like you're right in these people's lives. You're just going right. right you, that, you're in there. So amazing. And, uh, yeah, I I actually heard too that they were in between scenes. They were they were gonna they had it set up to use a futuristic at the time projector lighting effects to make the scenes fade in and out. But they said the ride vehicles made the projectors shake, and so the the effect didn't work like they thought it would, and uh, so they took that out. But that it could have been even cooler. That could have been an update later. Once they learned how to stabilization a little bit better, that, that would have been an eventual update to make it even cooler. It seems like something simple. So you think they would have probably figured that out eventually. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, they, they would have. Because even now, Spaceship Earth shakes around a lot. My iPhone can correct it and it doesn't look bad at all. I'm recording and it my iPhone's not shaking it, it stabilizes it built right in so I'm sure the projectors would have had it by now well as we're going through these scenes in the future too um, you you hit it you said we're ta we're right into their lives we're literally into their living room mm -hmm. you know into their living rooms into where they get their hair done into where they you know what's going on with their family like the scene we're looking at now there's a robot there you know that's going to do cleaning and making personal calls to your boyfriend under the sea it's like right going right past looking in at them like what's going on in there and and it's 
it's personal. Like it made the the ride made all these things personal, and that's what I loved about it. Uh, one of the things that was so great, and why people loved it, they could see themselves in these scenes in the future. So um, the next scene was the desert of the future. It showed uh, a a desert that had been transformed into a lush oasis. And guess see how people will live and work in the desert of the future. Uh, in this particular scene, I believe they were um, they were crops. I think it was um, an actual real life place in Arizona or or New Mexico and. Um, you can actually go there to this day, but of course there it's desert to this day. So nobody's planted crops there. I think it's Santa Mesa is what the place is called. And weren't they actually growing oranges? And so they pumped in the orange smell. Yes. And that's what I wanted to mention. Yes. Um, this was probably an early inspiration for adding smells to rides like Soren. Yes, absolutely. They were the first one to go past an orange grove and smell the smell of oranges. Yeah, and I actually, in my research, came across that. That was another big innovation of this ride, all the smells. This didn't just use one smell. It used multiple smells throughout the scene. So um, throughout the scenes, there's a lot of different, uh, different scents that you can pick up. So it's... uh, that was an, a really cool innovation, in my opinion. Um, the next scene is the ocean of the future. The scene shows an ocean that has been cleaned up and restored. Guests see how people will live and work in the ocean of the future. And again, it's it's like a city underwater. I mean, there's literally kids under there learning. And we've learned in that future to communicate with seals. Right. And so in the scenes, the the seal is helping teach a class. So that I think is really cool. Yeah, we didn't get there yet. Nope, we didn't. The next scene is the space of the future. It is the final scene that shows a future in which humans have colonized space, guests see a space station, a lunar base, and even a Mars colony. So after that, then it kind of goes into a choose your own adventure um, scene where it gives you three different options. But um, the the options themselves, I believe it is space, desert and ocean that you can choose. Um, It is often by a lot of the guests, it was listed as one of the most memorable scenes of the attraction itself. Um, I call it choose your own adventure. They call it choose your own ending. But if you remember when we were kids, John in the eighties, those choose your own adventure books were really popular where you could read and then, you know, choose which way the next, the next thing went or what you did in the book and it went somewhere else, you know, I always, I always remember the narrator saying majority rules at the end. (laughs) Like they always have to add that in. So basically everybody gets to vote, but the car can only go through one movie. So. Right. Yeah. All right. So the ride featured the interactive elements such as, um, the touch and feel exhibit in the queue, the build your own future exhibit in the post show area, 
These elements encourage guests to engage with the attraction and imagine their own possibilities for the future, kind of like the ending scene. Uh, so another notable feature was the use of projection screens and holographic displays, which allowed for seamless transitions between the scenes and created a sense of depth in the ride experience. And one last thing I would say about the ride is it incorporated a number of Easter eggs and hidden details for eagle-eyed guests to discover. There was a hidden Mickey, for example, in the space colony scene and the futuristic cookbook in the desert farm scene. I saw them. I, is that a monorail going by back there? There, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Fast. Yep. I, w- I was going to say, that that's what I love about it, too. It ties in all aspects of Epcot, and the Epcot and the other pavilion kind of pulls them all in for, you know, here's the the payoff for the whole park. But. Yep, totally agree. It brings you right back to Walt's original vi- vision of uh, Epcot, to you know. Oh, that's a good point. I, w- I was going to say, uh, one person that would absolutely love this ride... Walt Disney. Yeah. It's the greatest ride he's ever seen, you know? And in contrast, you know, the newer rides, he'd probably be like, huh, that's nice. (laughs) Mickey and Minnie's (laughs) Runaway Railway. What what did they do to Mickey? He's on crack. (laughs) Yeah. I certainly don't think that he would be, I, I don't know. I can't speak obviously but i can't imagine that he would love mission space you know as a as a thrill ride i just you know there really isn't a purpose to it i guess and yeah, uh, if any ride needs to be updated that's to me that's close to the top of the list but after empty pavilions of course like uh, you know the wonders of life empty pavilion i'd like to go in there again and do yeah. something Imagine that they're talking about making new lands behind Magic Kingdom and all this crap. Put something in your pavilion, dude. It's it's 2023. Just put something in there. There's room. There could be. There used to be rides and shows and exhibits, and it was a bustling, alive place. And they're like, yeah, just shut the door and pretend it wasn't there. And like, that's right. great for maybe a couple of years, but it's getting to be a little stale, you know? And uh, I know you really want to redo the most popular rides until no one likes them anymore, but, you know, it's like the great movie ride. Go fix your pavilion. Leave, leave, let things alone until you fix what's not there, you know? Like the Stitch building. Yeah, your empty Stitch building, your empty entire pavilion. You know how awesome the Wonders of Life pavilion is? Like, this, the, the, the building, it's such a cool place. Put anything in there at this point. Just just put something in there. It, it, it's just... Uh, anyway, it wasn't... It's just too, too much, you know? The whole play pavilion, they just stopped talking about it. Which wasn't great anyway, but anything just let me back in there addition by addition right i mean it's something they could have turned that into a festival pavilion you know like that uh one by or over by canada you know they used to use it for a festival pavilion i thought they and I, did. I, I i enjoyed it a lot you'd go in there dur- during like flower and garden there'd be presentations on 
on planting and how to grow things and all this and that. And they had, during food and wine, they had, uh, you know, you could go in there and uh, a knife company was doing, uh, showing you how their, how their products work. And you could sit for classes in there on cooking and all kinds of stuff. It was just a great place, you know? So, mm-hmm. and again, now they're just like, yeah, we made some new merchandise for you to buy. I'm like, Thanks. I agree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's not Horizons, but man, the wonders of life pavilion do something with it. Right. They could make, make a. a new, they could make a new Horizons in there, a new right? Version of it. Horizons Light. The updated. Here's version. here's an idea. Let's. Uh, you could do it really cheap too. Like do. Um, uh, like a like a Soren thing, and then put a screen up and just go through different scenes or something, you know. I mean, well, they have a place in there for simulators. Uh, that's from, right. From, uh, Body, Body wars. Yeah. Imagine you could do it real, really cheap. Do a new simulator ride, and I know they're not the best, but a brand new one with today's technology and clarity and. Like you say, AI to help make everything just, you could probably do something amazing. And again, I get to go in the wonders of life again. And it won't cost billions of dollars, you know. I know you really want to put crap behind Big Thunder Mountain, but finish Epcot first, please. Just finish it. That would be nice. Make something cohesive, you know. Yeah, it's too late for that. Apparently. Um, as far as the reception the impact the legacy of the ride itself i guess you could look at the memory of the ride by fans and critics which again i'm not going to go back over what critics and fans that we've we've covered that but the the legacy itself it, it had great influence on the industry and influence on the fans it influenced how we looked at the future and influenced uh how we designed attractions so i'd say it has a heavy legacy we're talking about it right now you know it's it's influencing me to judge them on all their <laughs> right, right you didn't I even ride it but this. you're you know i'm you... getting angry from watching it i'm like this is so good i want to <laughs> grab the imagineers who make some of these newer rides by the ear and say now watch this Look how look how good this is, you know. I mean, look at that scene right there. They're using a Pepper's Ghost effect to make a hologram, you know, which the weird part is they come right through those screens though, too. Like the the squares. Like I saw a version of it where they're reaching out of it. And I'm like, I don't even, I still don't I'm I'm sure it's not that complex, but I don't easily even know how that's done. I'm like it, it it's pretty amazing looking back. Yeah, it's great. Um Towards the end of the attraction, some critics noted that the attraction was beginning to show its age um, as newer technologies and attractions began to emerge at other theme parks. Despite this, Horizons remained a beloved and influential attraction, and its legacy can still be seen in the many innovations and storytelling techniques that have been developed in the years since its closure. 
So I, it, it seemed like maybe some of the other parks were catching up with some things, but I got to tell you, I can't imagine another park even coming close to what was going on here. Nobody, Universal nobody was doing that. some cool things, but yeah, I, and that's it. Universal's great. And, and a lot of the stuff I like more than Disney at this point, but uh, the Epcot stuff that was just that this was part of the reason it was rides like this and ideas like this that when I would go to Universal, I'd be like, Yeah, I'm going to Disney because I do it because I really love princess movies. I was doing <laughs> it because I loved Epcot and I loved feeling. Um, excited for the future and just watching unique things i couldn't see anywhere else and again uh, princesses are okay but it really wasn't what was driving me to go any further so and again yeah. not this particular ride but the uh, spirit of rides like this is what made me want to go back you know i, I right i love sure. the whole name of future world because uh I really wanted the future to be good. So. Right. And that was it. That was one of the big things about this ride was how optimistic it looked at the future. You know, it wasn't yeah. dystopian. Yeah. They said that, that what this ride did, it may not have been correct in everything. Some things are not cost effective, like living under the ocean, but it inspires you to go do something outside of the box. Go do something that no one else thinks you can do. And again, and if if you have the money or something, like why not do something cool under the under the ocean or something? But again, yeah, we're uh, we're stuck in a circle of corruption, so we can't the corruption doesn't allow for progress so we're kind of not talking about the future anymore yep it's because it makes everything circle back and stagnate right yep just like uh you know we got we 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 got you get to certain points like the gasoline engine and it gets so so big that they can use corruption legal corruption to lobby to keep that as the way it is in even years after something better would have came along but there's billion dollar businesses that need it to keep going so let's just stop and again that's what i mean by the circle of corruption it, it it stops innovation it stops progress you know and yeah it's not a political thing because they're all down it right totally um, some of the uh, influence on future Disney attractions that came out of Horizons was um, involved the storytelling techniques. We've talked a little bit about that earlier, but um, it's just the immersion and the innovation that, that went in with the storytelling techniques. And how often have you heard the word immersion since they talked about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Heck, it's all they said with Galaxy's Edge, right? Immersion, 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 immersion. That ride I just watched on Horizons is a million times better immersion oh, than anything. for sure. Galaxy's Edge. Uh, I heard people call it Iraq. It's like, yeah, that, that that's kind of about right. I Iraq with wires painted on the wall. It's like, yeah. You, even, you, you couldn't even get wires from the junkyard. You just painted them on. 
Even at Animal Kingdom, they use real wires and make it look like it's crazy. Right. You want to talk about immersion, look at Animal Kingdom and how you go to the lands and everything that was created there to make you feel like you're stepping into another culture, another country. You're you're absolutely right. That's a great point. Um, I think the original concepts for galaxy's edge if they would have put everything into it would have actually led to that immersion that they talk about and like you see with horizons but you know budget cuts budget cuts you know well budget cuts and you know the the the, uh, quality is not the most important thing so right again I, i i just posted a video today and i'm sure it won't do very well from one man's dream and it's Walt Disney saying the, the, the best thing, his his biggest achievement is that his, the people around him, the public, and his executives finally say, Walt is right, quality will out. Yeah. And he said, that's, that's going to go on even after me. He said, after Disney. And he got choked up even saying that, his biggest accomplishment. And again... Uh, the current guys really aren't. Uh, they don't. They're really they're no longer. Yeah, they're, they're not. Like, I'm I'm up to 387 likes on that. I have 120,000. Yeah. The general public doesn't care, and Instagram doesn't care either. They're, they're just said, eh, it's an old white guy. Keep swiping. Don't worry about it." <laughs> it's like, so yeah, that's the direction we're going with Walt, but. Hmm. Yeah, but yeah, this 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 was done by Walt's guys, more or less. Yeah, Walt died. Yes. Epcot continued, and I know it's a while after, but this was kind of the old guys still doing this, and uh, the same guys that Walt talked about the future of Epcot with probably worked on this thing too and helped to create it. So, and it shows, uh, and the fact, and and again, quality. It, the quality just shows. It, it's unbelievable. And and these were the guys that worked with him that he was talking about that said, yep, Walt, Walt will be right. You know, that we're going to carry that torch yeah. that he Walt, talked about. Walt, Walt questioned for most of his career. And mm-hmm. finally, they stopped questioning him by the end. They said, you can't do that. This won't work. And he has to keep fighting it his whole life. And finally, towards the end, they were like, we don't even question Walt anymore. If he says it's going to happen, we're going to do it. And that's that. No one's questioning the bank, the investors, his brother. It's, they're just saying it's going to work. Walt knows what he's doing, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, then, and, and again, this is just a little, uh, a little taste of that. I think like, uh, a, a little taste of, uh, the people who were, uh, imagining what the future might be yep i agree with that oh you know what i wanted to mention too and this is a very sad point um i was walking past uh connections cafe and the creation shop yesterday and i thought to myself it's already looking old like it looks it looks outdated i like i literally walked by i thought to myself this could use an update just doesn't and i'm like this is the newest thing they just un, un unveiled to everybody and i went into the creation shop too and i looked right and i looked left and i'm like 
Why does this seem so much smaller than uh, mouse gear did? Like mouse gear seemed massive. It seemed like it had its own parts and you go to the, the jewelry and purse section and you go to the candy food part and you, you know what I mean? I do. This I looked around and I'm like, nah, I don't see anything in here I want. And literally I was ready to leave in 30 seconds. So again, I definitely think they're going down the wrong path with a lot of this stuff. Unfortunately, watching Horizons just reminds me of, uh, yeah, it reminds me of how not good they're doing stuff right now. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. I wanted to mention too, and I still say Guardians of the Galaxy is awesome. Great ride. Top of the line. Um, my wife was talking about Tron and she's like, I don't even care if I ride it again. She said, what even is it? Just You just go zing and you're done. She's like, I don't. So I was like, man, that's a bad, uh, bad uh, uh, indicator that you don't even care at this point if you ride it or not. And my daughter's the same way. No care at all whether she rides it or not. But Guardians... They they both would be excited to get a, a virtual queue on Guardians and ride it again because it's that good. So just weird little little side note, but uh, but it's it's kind of related though because it's about design of an attraction, right? You you create actually Guardians is a pretty immersive attraction, right? You have several pre shows, you have a queue that draws you into a world, right? You walk into that. So and and there's a lot of callbacks to classic Epcot and classic immersive Epcot. You've got a computer talking to you when you walk in. Right. Yeah. An artificial intelligence mind is talking to you about what it learned about your planet and this it does have a awesome theme that goes through it that feels right i know it's tied to an ip but as far as i'm concerned i don't care about that ip that much it's all right but it, just the fact take out uh chris pratt and the guardians and put in random anybody and it would still be awesome you know it still would be it's just like avatar the flight of passage Mm-hmm. That that movie could have never been made, but they could have said, we're going to zap you and your brain is going to control an alien somewhere else. I would have been like, whoa, that's so great. You know? Yeah, it, it still would have been great. But again, IP not really needed for that. But, but that if you're going to do an IP rod, that's how you do it, though. Right. I mean, and they don't even need it. It's so good. And that immersive storytelling, I believe, is what we're talking about. You know, that's where that came from. Uh, I think that the, the type of ride that Horizons was, was really where this all started. You really didn't have that type of um, immersion into a story. Uh, even the early attempts at some of the other rides, like, you know, say pirates or haunted mansion i mean they were just a collection of scenes now they tie those scenes together you know there's a story behind everything now so i think really horizons helped influence a lot of that i was going to mention too horizons more or less perfected the use of lighting to add realism depth 
um, mood. Like you went so deep into there and the lighting that they used and all the different scenes and stuff. It, it's again, I only see it in an, in a, in a, a, a 20 year old plus YouTube video that's made probably from has to be restored. And you can still see how fantastic that was like how uh, 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 again lighting goes a long way there's a lot of stuff at disney you shine a bright light on it you're gonna be like well that's fake looks terrible but the correct lighting Mm -hmm. goes so far and again horizons was a masterpiece of lighting i feel like too Mm -hmm. it was um some of the technologies that incorporated that were um really groundbreaking uh we talked a little bit earlier about projection screens some of the holographic displays and the multi-sensory effects and by multi-sensory that that is all your senses even the smellitizers the the screens and holographic uh, the the sight the um audio was pretty advanced in the um ride itself it's just overall the attention to detail as well was something that was well advanced uh, on this attraction. And I think that's what set this apart was the that attention to detail. Um, you've talked about a lot, John, the attention to detail, all the things that you've seen in these videos. Um, even like hidden Easter eggs and things like that. I mean, every detail, they they captured a lot of stuff in this thing. Um, some of the thematic elements that um, the Horizons was designed around a central theme of innovation, imagination, and the future. And this approach has been adopted by many other theme park attractions since then in other parks and with Disney. Um, many attractions now focus on specific themes or concepts, allowing guests to explore different worlds and experiences within a single park. Um, you see that a lot at Universal, and I think you've seen it more now at uh, at SeaWorld. And occasionally you'll see it at some other theme park somewhere like, you know, Knott's Berry Farm with some of their old attractions. They've rethemed things and they have, you know, their um, some of their rides have these immersive experiences. So everyone's trying to do it. Even at Knoebels, John, the Black Diamond ride. Um, they, it was basically just a dark ride that they resurrected from a, a boardwalk and they've turned it into an immersive ride that, uh, you know, is, is about Centralia. So, um, you know, the nearby burning coal mine town. So you see this, um, I, I can't say that Horizons necessarily directly influenced all these rides, but it changed the industry in such a way that. It probably did. It probably had an effect in some way. I feel like rides like this inspired whole generations of kids. So they came to Disney, they went everywhere. And, you know, when you see something like this in person and know what can be done, I'm I'm sure a, a lot of it's got to be related. I, I agree. Um, the ride itself, we could talk a little bit about the fan base for the ride. Uh, it, People like yourself that never wrote it, John, but you see you're inspired by these videos that that, you know, you're now part of the fan base, even though you didn't write it. Um, people like myself that remember um, 
what that experience was like and what that ride was like. I, I will always remember it. One, yeah, one of my favorite imagine, rides. Just imagine that. I'm literally a fan from looking at a ride from old videos. It's like, that's a pretty rare thing. I can't, I can't tell you what other ride I'm a big fan of from just uh, watching the videos. So. Except for some older Epcot rides because they were that special, you know. Yeah, and and I would say even younger generations um, have become fans, much like you. You know, people that weren't even born yet, um, and and you hear that a lot from people talking about, uh, you know, people that make videos or content creators now. That you'll hear them talk about Horizons every once in a while. So uh, this thing has inspired yeah. generations. Not, not the ones. They like get invited to stuff. Disney doesn't want to hear about the past. That's true, actually. They like, uh, their, they like their old rides to be dead and gone. Forget yeah. about them. Yep, that's true. So let's get into the sad reason for the closure. Uh, Horizons closed in 1999 due to a number of factors, including declining into attendance and increasing maintenance costs. At the time, Epcot was undergoing a major renovation, with many of the park's original attractions being updated or replaced. Horizons was seen as outdated compared to newer attractions, and it was decided that it would be replaced by a new ride called Mission Space. Now, what's interesting about this, John, is that they closed the ride down for most of the 90s. It was open only on special occasions, so of course the attendance wouldn't be high for the ride. The other part of it was this was... Um, this was during the second generation of Epcot. So things like Imagination and um, Nemo, you know, what became Nemo eventually. Um, I think what happened with the Living Seas, because it was a later ride, um, they they updated some of the aquariums and made it more educational. This, again, the second generation. They, I, I, they... I, I, I wanted to mention that too, that I think they said there was 174 cars and up to four people per car it means you can have almost 700 people at a time riding through this thing. This was not going to be a big line kind of ride, except when it's new. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there's certain rides that are just like that. And I feel like now the Omni movers don't get as much credit because they keep stopping. So uh, back in the 1980s, every other person did not have a scooter and couldn't and needed the ride to stop. And every, like every every time I ride Spaceship Earth, it stops and it stops and it stops. And it's not supposed to. Back in the day, this thing probably rarely stops. So it was 700 people rolling, rolling, rolling. It handled crowds so well. Like like you couldn't ask for a better crowd eater. And so, you know, it's not going to seem as popular, just like uh, uh, another Omni mover that has a terrible one is Peter Pan. But it is an Omni mover, but it seems more popular than it is because one goes by and then you have to wait. It's like yeah. it's extremely slow, slow loading, slow moving Omni so it actually takes even longer but from what i hear horizons handled crowds like crazy like 
the amount of people that could just flow through was amazing so yeah it kept moving and not only did it continue um it have continuous movement but it it also um had that long track so almost like the haunted mansions long track you know it, it had one very similar in size and scope to that so um yeah that's a great point john i didn't realize it ate that much that many people at a given time and that that's a good explanation for not having a crowd hanging out the end of the building yeah. and i did hear that disney said something like oh there's a uh a sinkhole or something you know like yeah that but they say a lot of stuff when they don't want to deal with fans that love something a lot when the executives say you know what would do better mission space let's tear it down you know so they're always saying something and again there may or may not have been a sinkhole but another really disgustingly sad part about this is i i heard i saw a video when they when they demolished it everybody could see it because it was such a big building that you could just see it and they did not remove all the animatronics and everything they just smashed it all down like with no respect for it at all i mean yeah. every every single item in there some uh, Epcot person probably would have paid top dollar for it just to have a piece of horizons. And again, the short sightedness of probably, you know, when did it close? 99? Uh, yeah. You know, whatever old white guy that never actually visited the park in his life who was in charge at the time probably said, just tear it down. The Imagineers probably said, well, don't you think we should take the, you know, be dismantle it and t they probably said tear it down just tear it down who cares i'm i'm going to aspen in my cabin you know it's a million dollars a night that, that's what i do for fun but who cares about this ride the people will love mission space just put it up it's like yeah, and they didn't even develop all of Mission Space themselves, you know, well, so... The fact that Mission Space is what replaced this ride is severely out of touch. That's what it tells me. Severely. Mm -hmm. And I don't think today's people are much better. Again, I'd love to know where Bob Iger vacationed as a kid. I'm sure uh, uh, Vale or something, you know? So, or, or like... Being up in the mountains of luxury it's like that's not not disney world i'm sure he didn't spend much time at epcot he probably was like what movie's that you know he was uh, born and bred to be an executive yep the commoners even think sort of reminds you of such but anyway i was inspired by this video to just I, I, actually it just makes me angry because now i'm comparing all the rides <laughs> I feel uh, like if this is what they did in 1983, we're going in the wrong direction. Now, I, like, yeah. now that I have all that data to look at, I'm like, all right, let's look at what's happened since then. And I'm like, they're not really going in the right direction. So again, world of motion to <clears throat> uh, test track, the original test track to the new test track. And I'm like, this isn't getting better. <laughs> no, it's only thrill rides, really. Yeah. I mean, that's... And not even good ones, like broken down. Yeah. 
Dude, like every time I ride that, I think I better sell my Chevy because this thing's broken all the time. I don't know. Well, I mean, it it goes to show like this shut down because they couldn't do a Gen 2, right? Like there were technical issues that made it difficult to maintain and operate. And, you know, General Electric pulled out, so they didn't have that sponsor. Eventually, they got rid of most of the sponsors on attractions. So I don't I don't really understand. You know, it it just it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But what did the world made? billions in profit from the yeah the parks is where they make all their money that then they make bad movies lose money but then they just raise the prices in the parks it's like they didn't need they don't need sponsors right now they might say they do but they don't i mean i'm sure it's helpful but again the the profit in the parks is downright obscene at this point so no, yeah, I don't I don't buy that one at all. Yeah, I will say um fans did launch, you know, a letter writing campaign at the time. They you know, they there was a large response and of course it fell on deaf ears much like today, you know, things that happened today. Um the executives it fell on deaf ears and it just didn't work. So um January ninth 1999 the fans organized a final flight event and guests dressed up in horizon themed costumes and shared their moments of the ride and rode it one last time in the years since its closure horizons has become a beloved part of disney history with many fans and enthusiasts remembering it fondly as one of the best attractions ever created its influence can still be seen in the many innovations and storytelling techniques that have been developed in the years since its closure and it remains a testament to disney's once let me let me refrain this a testament to what disney was once committed to with imagination and innovation. <laughs> I'm going to say that in past tense because I don't think that happens now. No, no. Now it's done by committee based on money and popularity and whatever else. That's so not. Yeah. Uh, nothing that. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's it, John. I and that's pretty much all I got for Horizons. It was, you know, a a pioneering attraction. It was immersive. It was all the things that Disney wanted um to claim that they were all about. And and at that time, I think that is the case. Um it definitely was a culmination of the efforts of Imagineer. I think it was really you could say a closing to that um, era in Disney Imagineering that began with Walt Disney. You I'd know? like to tell everybody, anyone who listens to this, uh, definitely search for it on YouTube. Um, Retro WDW has a good video. We watched Resort TV One. They had a really good video on there. Mm -hmm. But there's also documentaries. There's do documentary about a couple of guys who used to, when they were kids, they would or teenagers or whatever, they would jump off and hang out inside the ride building. And I I, I thought that was one of the most amazing documentaries I ever saw. I was like, man, that's 
that 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 was just so cool and they recorded a bunch of it too like what they did they 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 jumped out of the ride and would go in there and man it was that looked amazing too but anyway a lot of places have great videos where you can kind of get a feel for what this was and again just the extent of it there's nothing that goes that far today like not only could I have ridden this a, a hundred times and still saw stuff, like I said, I can watch the same video over and over and it's just still amazing. It draws you right in. So again, that is something special and, you know, Mickey's runaway railway. Uh, if they closed it today, I'd, I would not even, I wouldn't even have an opinion on it. I'd be like, Oh yeah. So we wouldn't be doing an episode on Mickey's yeah. Runaway Railway. I don't think there will ever be an episode on YouTube remembering how unbelievable Mickey's Runaway Railway was. It's just not. It's not going to happen. It will go, and it'll be a blip of yeah, that that it was there. All right. It's like yep. I mean, it's it's I, in my opinion, it's it's fun. But it's not oh. iconic. It's not. It's not timeless. Remember the Drew Carey ride in the, or show in the, uh, what do you call it? Uh, it was at MGM Studios. Sounds dangerous again. Yeah. It's just a blip. It's like yeah, that happened. Yeah, it, it, it did. But again, it's not really worth talking about much. But it did happen, so it's it's fine. So again, uh, but something like Horizons, just unbelievable. And yeah, you, YouTube naturally comes up to World of Motion next. And we really should uh, talk about that sometime. But again, I, I think we will. Yeah. I need a little space though, because man, this one makes me mad. About, I, I start <laughs> judging everything compared to this, and I'm like, how is Epcot 2023? have such crappy rides compared to this i'm like it's just not even on the same level well in essence though and and just this is this is my final say i mean throughout the thing the the whole you know horizons discussion we've kind of gone over why it has a big fan base but with world of motion john it's almost worse because they didn't lose a sponsor it's the same sponsor that ended up with test track and basically instead of um continuing to honor the legacy of transportation and all the things that are epcot like a world's fair more or less is what epcot ended up being um, they decided to make a thrill ride and and um, like a, at the time when that attraction was made, remember the test dummies were always big in the commercials, you know, and and I think that's what inspired them to do that. And it's a shame because we'll go over world, world of motion at some point. We will talk about it in the near future. But um, the ride was very similar to Horizons and Spaceship Earth. And um, it was uh, like a variation of the theme. So uh, it, it's almost more of a travesty because they replaced it with, you know, a, a lesser ride and with a sponsor still intact. So, and I guess I shouldn't be that harsh and say a lesser ride. It's just different. It, it is different now than what it once was. It was more reliable at one time. It just 
now it's fallen apart. So, all right, John, that's all I have on Horizons. Any final thoughts? Well, my final thought is uh, the Horizon slogan if you can dream it, then you can do it. But not anymore. Now, just remember an old movie we made before and just keep watching it. Watch it. Forget about your crappy life and watch this movie again. Remember Moana. That was fun, right? (laughs) Remember. Look, watch it again. It's like, I'm glad that I don't do that. I I usually watch TV at night a little bit before going to bed. You don't watch Moana? No. It's not bad. <laughs> I I'm bored of it. Even just being, I I, I just saw they're going to do a Moana meet and greet at Animal Kingdom. They're doing a Moana thing at uh, Epcot. Um, Moana's in every show and stuff that ha- happens at uh, Magic Kingdom. I'm like Moana is it? She's it. Were you really pissed off when they announced that they're going to do a live action show <laughs> version of Moana? Oh yeah, I forgot. Well, I don't watch any live action. I was forced to see Beauty and the Beast because that was my favorite show, and my daughter said, you'll love it. It's so good. And it was okay. didn't really care. Yeah. I, I walked away and said, I like the cartoon better. And then I saw the uh, Aladdin one because, uh, you know, I thought Will Smith looked like a good genie and stuff. I was like, yeah, I think he can pull it off. It looks. And again, I watched it, and I'm like, I'll never watch that again. I'm like, it's all right. I don't really care. And then every single other one that came out, I was like, I'm not going to see this. I'm not going to rewatch crappily made live action versions of movies. I didn't care about in the first place. So I just don't. So that's the only two I've ever seen. And I don't plan on changing that anytime soon. Yeah. I I don't watch them. Brothers. That was good. But I almost just saw it as a big F you to Disney. You know? I was like, I want the second weekend to be good too. Plus, I love the Mario characters and stuff, but I, I almost wanted to do it out of spite, you know? Like, all Disney's crappy movies anymore. I used to love Disney movies, and uh, I, I, I remember before if like Pixar made a movie, you knew it was going to be unbelievably good. Oh, it's going to be a all hit. Of- I didn't even need to think about it. You go in and you leave the Pixar movie, and you're like, that was just perfection, like art. Not anymore. Now it's all crap. So, I'm, I'm, but again, I don't, I, except for Mario, I, I the last move, movie I saw was The Black Phone, which is a horror movie. And that, that was like a year and a half ago. So, I'm not a big movie guy. So, well, that not, was a good movie, though. So, Oh, the black phone was awesome, man. Yeah. I loved the, the time frame of it, you know. The grabber in the 70s. That's pretty mm-hmm. cool. It was cool. But anyway, yeah. Sorry if you made it this far. Sorry. Uh, Horizons got me angry. But why isn't anything that good anymore? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's why we don't talk about the future. It's not looking good. Yeah, it did at one point, though. So. That's the thing. Um, you do see the, uh, you know, it, it kind of got left. A, um, I think they left it go in that second generation of ride creation. They really didn't do enough. And, well, um, you know. 
the the accountants are now involved in the ride, so they're like animatronics means maintenance. They're like, yeah. yeah, large show buildings filled with elaborate scenes. That's a lot of maintenance. We need to clean that. We need to maintain that. We Screens. Need to, we need to make sure all the lights work properly. We need to adjust it. It's like the maintenance is huge, and they're like, we could do something a lot cheaper. And then they're like, wait a minute. Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. It's like, yes, almost no maintenance. It's just a big blank screen, nothing. It's like, perfect. That's that's where we want to go. So, And that's what they end up doing. So that's, uh, I'm not impressed. I, I like the high maintenance stuff. And again, when you do that, could they afford maintenance? Sure. But if they can keep the same money coming in and increase that lower maintenance, man, profits go up and up mm-hmm. and up. And again, profits are awesome. I like profits, but it, 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 I, I, just knowing that Horizons existed, it just makes me uh, upset to look at what the direction they're going with their uh, low, high cost, low maintenance. We're going to charge you the same, but our maintenance is down drastically. I know um, if you think about it, at one point, Disney had a reputation for plussing everything and going that extra mile. And that's the thing. I think this attraction is, you know, is an example of that, a perfect example. That was a term that came out of Walt's classic stuff. He wanted to plus things. Now Mm -hmm. the executives come along with the, accountants buy them and they look to minus things that's what can we deduct from this let's cut it cut it what can we what can we make less to make it cheaper it's like well that's i know mm. but again if they had to do it they have to do it but then they say we need the money because we lost it all on crappy movies that are losing money hand over fist it's like well just don't don't do that then it's like or make the theme park separate. If the theme parks could keep their own money, the, the parks would be so different than what they are. The parks would be unbelievably amazing because they couldn't make billions in profit and say, now we can just go uh, throw it all in the gar- garbage on other bad projects. You know, It's like, no, you can't keep it in the parks. It's like the, the parks have been supporting bad decisions for a lot of years now and it just sucks you know because the parks is the only thing i even like so yep i agree i agree and And i i I just think the farther away from walt we get and the farther away from his legacy and anyone involved in the company that has the last name disney i think that we're seeing less and less of things like All this, this stuff is nothing new because i've been watching for many years and you'd be amazed uh like when they had fa- failures like uh john what was it john carter mars. john carter of mars yeah you know, and and that kind of thing when they had failures like that year years ago you would weirdly see all these weird cuts happen at the park. Like it's like, Oh, let's get rid of the lighting ceremony at the uh, Polynesian. We don't need that. And they get rid of all this stuff that was special, but they didn't really need, need to get ri- rid of it, but they're losing money in the movies. So they're like, well, if we can cut costs here, well, you know, the, the books are going to look great in the end. 
And they got in such a bad habit of doing that, you know? They're like, how about we charge more for food and lower the quality? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they kept doing it. Uh, Everybody loved the Disney chicken fingers. And one day, they're only nuggets. Price didn't go down. Only nuggets. Sorry, guys. Nuggets only. It's like weird stuff like that. And it always seemed to correspond with other dumb things they did you know it's like we came up with disney phone system we gave up on it in two months and it was a major loss up up the car let's squeeze it out of the park somehow it's like yeah that's a new idea stupid ideas squeeze it out of the park and disney plus may be one of those stupid ideas i don't know yet until they go if they ever get profitable maybe not but so far i don't care about it at all so they have nothing i want to see well, let me tell you, if you love that stuff and the chicken fingers and all that, wait until they replace the turkey leg with a chicken leg. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got to uh, do something with the leg. I mean, you know. They never did anything with the leg, but what they did was raise the price because when I first <laughs> went, I, I remember it was like seven bucks or something. I'd be like, well, it's expensive, but it's practically a meal. And I stopped getting it once it went past like 12 bucks or something. I'm like, this is getting ridiculous. Like, yeah. Like I could literally go to Texas Roadhouse and get a steak, a salad, a baked potato, all the rolls I can eat and still have enough for the tip. Or I could get one turkey leg. I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to go to Texas Roadhouse and keep your turkey leg. I used to like them. I wouldn't even, I haven't gotten one in years. Just on principle, I could afford the 15 bucks or whatever, but I feel like I'm just paying that to help make up for their Disney Plus shows that no one likes. But Right. Or I should say that I don't like, but until we see that profitable, I have to assume I'm not the only one. Yeah. All right, John, where can they find you online? You can find me at c.wdw on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and YouTube and c.uo on Instagram and Facebook. You can find me at the giant rat, T-H-E-E giant rat on Instagram, on TikTok and on YouTube. Next week, we will talk about another thing that really will get John very upset (laughs) and that is Disney announcements that never happened (laughs) (laughs) that will be a good one that will be a good one although I won't be upset about all of them because like Spaceship Earth I didn't want to change anything I didn't want that either I totally agree we talked about that last week when they cancel changes I'm like good probably aren't going to do well anyway I agree. I agree. All right. We will see you on the next one.